We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome into your Thursday edition, June 22nd, OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We have a great guest today, finally stealing some time from the busiest man on planet Earth for the last two weeks. John Colosimo will join us here in just a moment. If you have not done so, check out the content over at the OBR where we have a lot of good things going on for defensive end week. Uh, So check all of that out, kind of projecting the now and later for that position. If you're curious about contracts, what that'll all look like, and as well as performance expectations for this season. Um, something written up today I have posted on Alex Wright potentially moving inside. That's an, uh, a fun question to kind of go through and think about. And then uh, also um, we also have a Greg Newsom interview that Brad Sainbrook did, which is pretty good. Some good quotes from Greg about this season, his role, why he prefers to play outside some more than he did last year. Uh, some Some stuff on Jim Schwartz what their coverage is going to look like differently this year. It's actually pretty insightful. So you should check that out. Uh, otherwise, let's get let's get John Colosimo in here. We're going to talk to John about uh, an interesting topic. As you know, here in the summer, fielding topics, questions from folks pretty much every day. Still going to put together all of those questions at the end of the year. Sorry, I'm going to put together all of those questions at the end of the um, uh, end of the week into a mailbag, the ones that we don't get to. But I'm taking topics, man. And some of you like uh, like Brett here, who I've talked about Brett on different podcasts, is doing a great job of putting out, you know, different questions, topic ideas. Those are the things that we're running with, right? Like we're doing a lot of different things uh, running with these. And I want to give him a shout out. I've gotten so many emails. Like you guys are giving great ideas for the show. So I just want to say thanks again for that. Never hesitate. Shoot a DM. Uh, send over an email, jake at the OBR.com. Or shoot a, a direct message on the OBR, all of that stuff. Uh, some some good stuff, and we're going to go through a good one with John. So, John, first off, buddy, how are you? How's life? Is it slowing down a little bit? Uh, personally, it's slowing down, right? It's uh, I've had that's what's been so busy about these last couple of weeks because work is insane. I got jobs closing, I've got jobs in crisis, I've got jobs starting up, um, all in different states. So it's um, it's a wild scene at work right now, but. 
additionally, we had like my brother's uh, bachelor party, my brother's wedding, the rehearsal dinner, um, Father's Day, everything like that. So it's just been like absolute. weddings in your 30s, John. Hard, <laughs> hard. I I don't like getting dressed up. I don't like you you. You know, like in your 20s, they're fun. You know, you go to your, a lot of your friends' weddings, right? Like right out of college and whatnot or wherever you know. Like in your 20s, they're kind of a, a super fun event. Your 30s, it's like, do we, do we have to go? You know, <laughs> and you have to go to the one you're talking about here. I get that. We've had to go some of the recent years, and it's like, I just, ugh, all the dressing up and like, man, I'm just kind of over them. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird, but. Just like just like weddings in your thirties are not very fun. Let's kind of say that. And it sounded like from what we talked about ahead of time, you had some unwelcome stress involved in yours as well. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um I, I unexpectedly did the best man speech for my other brother. So um it it turned out okay. You know, um little impromptu. I had thought a little bit in advance about what I would say if I spoke separately you know so i had that kind of half cocked um just had to kind of ad lib a little bit but it turned out all right you know everybody made it home <laughs> you know there was even like an after party to it it's just you know if it was not my brother you know uh then i would not have been too excited about the whole thing but because it was you know i mean it was a completely different story so we had a good yeah. time that does that does make a little more sense family members will be fine but like you got people that you know that are getting late, like married late, and like getting and at the house. Like, have you thought about what you're going to wear? Haven't thought about that. That shirt doesn't fit the way it used to. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> These pants, that belt is not working this time. Dress shoes. I need black ones. I only have brown ones. It's just like it's helter skelter. You're just trying to get through every day as a dad, man. I'm not thinking about a month from now. What am I going to wear to a wedding? Exactly. Ugh, it's tough. Uh, tough scene. Definitely. All right, um, we got a one Browns topic. You know when John comes on, we talk about a lot of other stuff, but I want to hit on the Browns topic before the other stuff. So I had a great question asked by Brett uh, Minner, who we've talked to about, who's sent over so many great suggestions, and it got me kind of thinking, and I I'm curious what you think on this one too. Johnny said, I've heard a bunch lately about Jed Jedrick Wills needing to be better next year. We all agree. We would like him to be better, right? He said, oh, yeah. And, and Brett said, I would love him to be better. Uh, and, and and But if he does play better and he puts together, say, a top five left tackle season, which he's got the talent for, we all know that, is that good for the Browns long term? At some point, they, they won't be able to afford everyone, or maybe even him, if he starts chasing a really big contract. Where he's saying, I wonder if it's okay for him to just be average again. He's kind of an average, sometimes above average, sometimes below average, kind of an average player, and be paid an average salary. Uh, he said, expanding on that, do you think, like, basically, do you think it would be in a weird sort of reverse way better if Jedrick Wills is just an average player through the contract decision? Because I think, John, a scary thing here is Jedrick Wills putting together a dominant season when he puts it all together, and then there's sort of some fear about, okay, we pay him a significant amount of money, and then he maybe reverts to some of those bad habits. You know what I mean? Like I, I would just be, I'm sure the Browns want to see two years of that type of thing put together consecutively, but I don't know if they're going to have that luxury. I think they almost feel like an extension decision would come between this year and next year. Whereas like Jack Conklin played on his fifth year 
and then he was allowed to leave. I can't remember if Conklin got his fifth year or not. Actually, I don't think they picked up his fifth year option, thinking back on it, because he had gotten hurt. Right. So they didn't. But but I guess the point is, if you if you don't sign him between years four and five, maybe you don't get an extension done in that fifth year. It seems like he would go to free agency. Then you're on the risk of losing him for for nothing other than, you know, maybe comp picks if you don't replace him. But like the thing that I think is a little dicey is he has a great year and then you have to pay him. Maybe they'll do what they've done with some of these like Wyatt Teller where they gave him four or five games the next year before they extended him. Right. But I get where the question makes some sense. It'd be nice to just pay average left tackle money, kind of get average left tackle play. Deshaun is good enough to overcome inconsistent tackle play. Right. I don't. I think you can smell what I'm stepping in. It's an interesting one because, on one hand, you're like, "Yeah, you want Jedrick Wills to be really good. That's good for the Browns." But I get it on the other hand, where you can have a fear of like, "What really is he? You know, like, is he really good, or would he be putting on a stretch of really good play before reverting back to all of a sudden some of the bad habits you've seen from Jedrick Wills aren't quite as fun when you're paying him twenty million a year? You know what I mean?" Yeah, absolutely. I'd say, you know, in a vacuum, right, then you absolutely want him to kill it and uh, and sign him to a big deal. And then, you know, what you're doing to balance that is you're probably getting rid of Teller, you know, um, something like that. As you shift to a different type of team, um, you would much rather have the left tackle than the guard play um, if, you know, things are going the way we think. Um, but we're not in a vacuum. And we've got a pretty, you know, decent idea of, of what we got there. And so I think that in that sense, um, all your points are correct. Like it would be scary giving him uh, a big contract after a, uh, a spike of a year here. Um, and, you know, just in general, yeah, it's okay if he's an average guy. But at the same time, like you're not getting a good rate at that. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're actually – you getting a better rate, the better they are as much as you have to pay them because, you know, uh, you've seen some of these contracts that very average guys are getting. So like in terms of like dollars for play, you're, you're not getting a very good rate holding on to that average guy. You're probably better off uh, drafting an average guy, which is obviously easier, easier said than done. But uh, yeah, so it's an interesting, weird little dichotomy that's going to play out over the course of the season um, so, you know, knowing Judd, it is probably better that he's just him, which is good enough, uh, if he accepts the type of contract that that's worth. That's what's interesting. The contract that's worth is like, it seems like so many of these types of relationships end with no contract done, but I do think you can pay, you know, not every contract has to reset the market. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Absolutely. that's, that's what I think is that's what I think is always funny is that every contract that like we talk about, Oh, Jed's up next for a contract. He has to get this. Well, you know, what if he just gets sort of average money over the course of four five, six years, right? I think that he runs one of the, the more dicey contract value situations out there on the team. I mean, it's I think, fine if he's Fisher, right? Yes. Right. Very good. I agree with that. Like David and Joku was another one, mm-hmm. right? where he he had a nice year last year. We'll see if he does put it together again this year, but he was one that you were paying for future process progress, right? That's, that's what's a little intimidating about some of those deals, even Denzel, right? They paid Denzel and he had, he'd had some nice years, but you were still paying him hoping that 
he was going to better. yeah going to get better now he wasn't his his usual self last year he had some moments later in the year but he wasn't his usual self like as a baseline the way the browns paid him though they needed him to be who he always is and then unlock those elite level things right are there anybody is there anybody else where from an extension standpoint i guess teller was another one but we hadn't really seen teller you know, we we just seen him continuing to get like better and better when they gave him that extension. So that one's a little tricky. His injury stuff is something I've kind of been well documented talking about. Um, you know, there a little bit. Joel Joel's not fair because Joel had, Joel's Joel. The sample size is huge. You know who he is. But are we forgetting anybody else that they've sort of extended with that like just a dicey proposition of giving them money versus what they could ultimately turn into? No, I think that's pretty much those cover the big ones. Yeah, yeah. Nick, Nick was another one, and Nick is—he's proven to be Nick. Nick is like robotically consistent. So I think when you think of like contracts that they have given out, where guys maybe haven't necessarily earned a bigger, longer contract, David stands at the top. I think you could argue Denzel, but the timing was right. Like I don't have any issue with those two contracts, but you can certainly see where there's there's some inherent risk there, right? Like in, in both of those deals. So, you know, Jed would be another one that would be in the middle of that risk situation. And I could see, I I don't, again, I have a hard time being like, this is a terrible thing. If he plays really, really well. And then, you know, in the midst of that, you're like, well, this is actually a bad outcome. (laughs) You know, you just sound so silly, but you know, all of a sudden you're paying him 18 million, 20 million a year putting him say in the top seven or eight tackles and then you're nervous about that and then he returns to who he's always been and then then that's a tough situation to overcome that money so i'm sure there'll be ways they can protect themselves a little bit there but that's just a fun thing to consider okay we're gonna take a break we're gonna come back and then we're gonna do what we always do little dad talk little little uh little entertainment corner i think is what we're calling that segment we'll be right back we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, man. So I'm tying in a little bit of, you know, what what, what we talk about with our, our children. Like my oldest is five. Your, your, two, your two boys are getting a little older. I, uh, I, I've come to this, this realization. I want Porter to see all of the things I want him. Like he's obsessed with certain, like, like Transformers, the new movie. I want him to see it. 
but I got in like an up close experience. I, I text you about Spider-Man into the Spidey verse, you know, it's PG I'm like, all right, cool. It's PG. Not bad. But there are some moments in that that are genuinely scary. Like I looked over at him a couple times and scary. I mean, from a kid's perspective where I looked over at him a couple times and he was like, I could see it in his face. Like he, he was kind of scared. He was like, hey, can we go home? <laughs> like he was nervous, man. So I had to have him like sit on my lap a couple moments, but I text you about the movie. Like the movie was phenomenal. But don't maybe don't take your three and four year old to that one quite yet, because there are a couple moments that are a little scary. Now, three and four might not grasp yet kind of what is like scary in film. So there's that, John. But just want to just want to like that's something I'm dancing around. Like this kid loves Transformers, want to take him to Transformers. But those are like PG-13 movies. There's some blood like I I went to see flash with my parents and he wanted to come desperately because he loves batman and superman but there's like some really scary moments in those i could see a kid having nightmares about so we're in that part of things man that's where we are with with movies where i'm trying not to rush this too fast you know what i mean there's going to be years of seeing movies together but that one is uh that's something i'm noticing have you have you taken the little ones to any other movies i haven't but you know even just the other day they put the hulk back out on disney yeah and uh i put that on my my kids wanted to watch that they're four and two and that's it's a little beyond them now they're you know on the floor acting out all the scenes you know as abomination (laughs) and hulk are fighting and all that kind of stuff my wife is yelling at me for putting it on you know (laughs) all that kind of stuff so um you know it's it's a little it's a little beyond what they should be watching. And uh, I've gotten in trouble before where, uh, you know, we were watching some Avengers a couple of years ago. And then um, I got some reports from daycare, <laughs> some kids, <laughs> some unwilling participants in wrestling matches. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so uh, we cut those out until the other day when we watched the Hulk. And I probably need to not put that on again either. <laughs> I, told, I told you or somebody I was on the show about when my mom had on Jurassic Park, right? I don't no. know if it wasn't you, but like had my parents over, come back inside. Porter loves dinosaurs right now. It's Jurassic Park. It's literally the T-Rex stomping scene. I had to be like, Mom, what are you doing? Like, turn this off. <laughs> you cannot. He's going to have a fear of dinosaurs now. Like, this, this, this dinosaur eats humans. Stop. It's like, <laughs> it's like you can't rush. You can't rush these things, man. So. No, my wife is permanently scarred because I, their grandma fell asleep with it on when she was yeah. like four, and she still won't watch any horror movies since. Well, I'm not a you know I'm, I'm in the same mold of horror movies. I'm not not for me. You know, you never you ever seen a horror movie on its own? Not for <laughs> me. Um. Anyway, I want to do something here. Well, is there anything else you've been seeing? This has been a good run of movies. We saw. Spideyverse, which I would suggest everybody go see. I thought it was as good as the first one, which is really high praise. Uh, Saw Flash, which was fine. Um, I think it's probably the best that they can do. And I I don't mean that to be mean. From Justice League, whoever's running that perspective, not the newest Batman stuff with Pattinson, which I thought was really good. Like this whole Justice League thing, yeah, like that. That's it. You tried is kind of the way to say it. Like I don't, yeah. There, there's they're trying to be funny at some moments, and it's extremely cringy. There were some really good moments of nostalgia, like the Keaton stuff was great. 
really cool. There was some of that, but not just not enough to just to overcome just like the mess of it all. You know, I don't know. Just I don't even know where they're at. That whole universe is so it's so goofy. Like I don't and I kind of have a take, John. Like I I'm kind of I'm pushing the borderline of being just kind of done with superhero movies. I'm really getting there. It's so saturated. Are you there or are you am I just I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe it's just me being weird. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I agree. Um, I didn't think that I could, uh, and there is a couple of things that I am looking for. I, I'm gonna watch that Fury um, series. Uh, I think that that looks pretty interesting, but it is getting to a point where I didn't think it would necessarily get to, and I am getting a little, uh, a little tired of of the superhero movies. There was a time where, like, I would just watch them over and over. You know, if I just was looking for something to watch, because I hate. Um, I hate looking through streaming services if I don't have a plan. I don't have that kind of time. So, uh, yeah, I think you're 100% right. It's just uh, it's kind of running its course. It's running its course. The, the, the same stories being told, the same amount of risk, right? Like the stakes are low. I don't know, man. I, I'm just I'm struggling with some of those at times. They just feel like. I sat down to watch Flash, and I'm like, I've seen something like this a hundred times in the last ten years. It feels like, like that's just where I'm at. So, uh, not that there aren't some good ones still. There's some some decent ones still out there, right? But uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of pushing that boundary. I, I say that as like the the upcoming movies, right? Is uh, like Indiana Jones comes out a couple weeks. Pretty damn pumped about Mission Impossible. Definitely seeing that right away. And then we're going to talk Oppenheimer in just a minute, but like, uh, it doesn't seem like the, the hero, even though I don't put like Mission Impossible in the same sort of uh, tier, right? I don't know if you do as some no, of those no, no, I comic book heroes. I think the comic book stuff is what's getting getting a little tedious at times. Um, okay, so I, I also have to say, Barbie people people really crush me on that. The, Bar- <laughs> the Barbie movie, my my opinion on that one. So I guess I'm going to give that one a shot. The, the, the director is, uh, and I think maybe she wrote it too. I'm not sure. I don't have her name in front of me, but she's done some good stuff. So fine. I'll give it a fair shot. And I love Ryan Gosling. So it's probably going to be an okay movie. Give it a shot. Are you going to see this movie, John, or not? I'm sure I will one way or another. You know, when it gets on HBO Max or whatever. Yeah. I did see somebody say since HBO dropped down to just max that 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 peacock had to cut their name in half too i thought that was funny um (laughs) anyway we somebody wanted to ask us about our definitive rankings for nolan films just hard to do very it's really hard to do what like like let's do let's do our top three ahead of oppenheimer and then i want to read you a nolan quote and then we're going to get out of here Uh, okay you know because we're a month away the movie comes out literally one month from now 721 so, okay, who, what do you, I'll give you the chance. Let's do this. Let's do a draft. You get to draft your top three. I get to draft my top three. We'll just go one, one. We won't snake it. I won't do two picks while you do. No, we just do one and one back and forth. So you get to pick your Nolan movie first. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and then we'll, we'll go back. See who has the better three at the end of this. You're hitting lead off. I have to take exception. It's my first pick to you, bastard. Okay, um, that's a good one. 
man, I don't know. I would probably go Interstellar, which might not be that popular, but I I really loved it. And that it's grown it's, it's grown on me more and more over the years. Was, same, it's, same. It's such a rewatchable movie, and it's 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 really good. Okay, so we have uh, we have uh, and John has Inception. I have Interstellar. What's your next one? Here's where it gets dicey. Um, and uh, I don't think I'm going to be stepping on your toes with this particular one. Uh, I'm going to go Memento. I loved Memento. It would have been in my top three. Uh, it's underrated. Guy Pierce is so good in that, man. Um, that's that's a good answer. I think you could get you could get some argument on that one. It's the first argument spot, in my opinion. I will go... Huh. After that, I'd probably go Dunkirk. I thought Dunkirk was really good, man. I, I, I've enjoyed that one. Like, kind of came out at a similar time to 1917, which was also, a, you know, a different war, but it, but another really good tracking scene movie. Absolutely. I would say Dunkirk is my second pick. My third pick will be perhaps a little dicey, but I, I, I feel good about my first two. Your third one. You know, I. I, I know that I'm going to take the one that most people would not, um, but I'm I'm going to go Batman Begins. God, man, we're on the same page. <laughs> God dang! I see. I thought th- th- people love Dark Knight more. Dark, right. you no, know, I I, right. I am a Batman Begins guy. I think they nailed that as well as it could be nailed. For me, it comes down to two movies. If you've taken that, it's either The Prestige or it's The Dark Knight. Uh, I would probably go. The Dark Knight, uh, just just uh, it's 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 also very rewatchable. Uh, Agreed, but but it's uh, it's it's really good. It's not bad. And I, I really like the dark. I think the Dark Knight Rises gets some disrespect too. We can't take the Dark Knight. We can't take Batman Begins and Dark Knight Rises and not take the Dark Knights. Out of respect, we'll take the Dark Knight. Feel good about it. Um, all right. So, like, how where are you on Oppenheimer buildup? I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever anticipated a Nolan movie more. It might be because of Killian Murphy and my love for that dude, but I'm pretty jazzed up for this. Here's the Nolan quote on the movie, okay? It is kind of caught steam. The first sentence is like, this is what people have uh, have put out there is like the, the quote that people will take away from. He said, let me see if I can find it. I sent it to a group of friends today, so I need to make sure I have it uh, correctly stated. Some people will leave the some people leave the movie absolutely devastated. They can't speak. This is Nolan. That's where people cut off the quote and put out a picture of like just that quote, which is the goofiest thing because that's not what he's saying. Like they, <laughs> it's just funny to me that that's where they're cutting off the quote. But I'll read the full thing. He said, "Some people leave the movie absolutely devastated. They can't speak. I mean, there's an element of fear that's there in the history." And there in the underpinnings, he said, but the love of the characters, the love of the relationships is strong as ever. But I really wanted to make people feel the the, uh, the bomb scene, stuff like that. So I, I think it's like, I think what he will do a really good job of in this movie is making people feel that appropriate fear that people felt toward the end of the Second World War and the gravity of the decision to to make this bomb known to the world. That's kind of where I'm at with it. I think that that is like, that's the fear of, of, of like what was going like how close we were to full scale nuclear war. You know what I mean? I think that's what, that's what he's going for. Here's what I would say. It's, 
first of all, that quote invokes um, kind of some of the feelings people had at Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, the opening scene. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So that's kind of like what immediately hit me when you read that quote. Second, um, there is a podcast, Hardcore History, uh, one of my favorites, Dan, uh, Dan Carlin. Um, he had, and I wish I could recall the exact title of this, all right, but it was 100% kind of surrounding the invention of a nuclear weapon. And uh, I think it's going to, like, I think it encapsulates what this whole thing is about. I don't know because I haven't seen Oppenheimer, but it's, man, and I'll, I'll have to respond below the, um, below the link when you post it on Twitter and link this because, you know, if you ever listen to hardcore histories, they're like four to six hours. Right. But it is gripping. It is gripping, gripping stuff. And this one is wholly centered around, you know, the, the invention of the bomb and what that meant in the aftermath, what it means today, all that kind of stuff. It's so frigging good. And, um, if that's what we're going to get in a, in a movie form here with Oppenheimer, you know, I mean, and also, you know, he's got one of the absolute greatest quotes in the history of man. I think, you know, I have become death destroyer of worlds, you know, as he watched the first test. Um, And there's, uh, you know, if you read about that, then you will hear that there was, um, there's an expanded quote kind of about the feelings of the scientists in the room as they watch that first one go off. And um, I think there's potential for it, it to be an absolutely fantastic story. Um, I don't feel it's something I've come to expect from Nolan. I think it's, a, it's an odd choice of a story to tell, not, mm-hmm. uh, not in a bad way, but I am, I am very excited for that. Yeah, I would say my anticipation level is as high as it's ever been for any of his movies. I think some 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 people are like, you know, leave the movie devastated. Can't speak. Saving Private Ryan is such a good one. There have been some others where I've thought, I, like, the movie theater when it ended was just utterly quiet and people just walked out in silence, which is not normal, right? Um, I would say I remember vividly. Remember Lone Survivor with with Wahlberg told the story of the Navy SEALs Marcus Luttrell's story about the Navy SEALs that were captured and killed uh I saw that one it's a good movie it's a it's a wild story uh, I saw that one in theater and that was one where it was just a really jarring ending to the movie and it was very quiet like people were genuinely devastated by the end of it and just how it came about and, like it was a really eerie walking out moment I remember Arrival was another one oh, where arrival. it was really oh, quiet right like arrival was it's in my top 10 movies i've ever seen it's really good um and it was just really quiet when everyone left you're thinking about the ending you're thinking about all of it and inception did that too i was young when inception came out you know just out of high school really i think that was 2008 was when inception dropped or it could be a little later maybe 2010 inception was 2010 so i was in college and i just remember that being one of the more the first times I've noticed that people were like just jarred about what they saw. Like what, like what was that? I don't even know what to think. And I do think that that's kind of reaction. I feel like, you know, it's gotta be what you're hunting for in that profession. Right. Like, 
in certain respects. Now there are other times where like, I'm sure the people that made Endgame were really excited about the way the theater blew up with cheer and applause during those moments. Right. I get that. But, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know, man. I think that that's a big thing. And like, the, it's just so funny to me that people are trying to like, you know, I think Nolan is a bit of a narcissist. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he loves himself a little bit, but like, you know, some people leave the movie absolutely devastated. They can't speak like people cutting the quote there and just posting that is like, come on, man, you know what you're hunting. You're hunting attention. <laughs> I think his full quote gives some context to what he thinks of the movie, the love of the character. It feels like to me from the preview, it's going to be all about the buildup, like how they formulated the plan, the building of the community to hide what they were doing and how he built the team. And then it leads to the penultimate moment of, the destruction, the, the, the test causes. And then, you know, from there, it's going to be, you know, Congress wants to know how they can use it. Right. It was just about people in the American government getting their hands on this to use. Right. So that's the story. I think it'll be interesting. Yeah. definitely. Well worth our time. Any other, any other shows, movies, things we're missing here, anything you've hit on uh watch lately or anything like that? No, I, you know, I think everything's been, very busy personally and professionally. So like, I'm really kind of looking forward to a lot of things that we've talked about already. And there's some anticipation here coming up and I haven't gotten to go see Spider-Verse yet. So got to see it. Um, yeah. Got to see it in theater. Cause it's visually stunning movie. Really I know I really cool. should have gone this weekend, but again, there's just um, too much going on. Um, I got an early flight tomorrow. I'll be back in two weeks. And if, Hopefully it lasts that long in theaters that I get another rip in it because I will definitely go in two weeks. Yeah, it's worth it. I, and again, I thought I thought Flash was fine. It, it's a theater movie because of the scale and like Keaton and that stuff. It's fun. And then I haven't seen Transformers yet. I want to see that Indiana Jones, Mission Impossible, and then the, the, the duo of Oppenheimer and Barbie theater. Same time, same weekend, big time. See who wins that battle. But uh it's going to be a good run, good run of movies, good summer, summer movie structure here. So get out and see them, everybody. We'll catch up with John when we can, but we always appreciate the time, John, when we get it, buddy. I appreciate you much. Hey, always a good time. Appreciate coming on. I, you know, it's a nice little break for me when I can do it. Yeah. So hopefully more often uh, moving forward. It's just a, uh, it's been a rough, uh, it's been a rough little while here. I get it, man. It's a rough time for content too. So hopefully we'll we'll settle into a better groove. Everybody can we can get back on our usual schedule every week when we get into the new uh new football season because there's new stuff to talk about. So we'll try to get with John as much as we can from now until then. And always open, like I said, hit up my uh, DMs or email whenever you want for some content angle ideas. Always good for that. But overall, guys, thanks for stopping by. You know, we appreciate you being here. Check out the OBR. For all your football content needs right now, some good stuff going up there tomorrow, like I said, so check that out. Thanks for being here. Everybody have a fantastic Thursday. Go Browns. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger 
for the ones who get it done.